Virginia. Where the spirit of 1.8 million West Virginians wills you to victory. Other places have pro teams, but in this state, the Mountaineers are a way of life. When I competed, and more that number, I competed for the state and for the people, not just for the university. Now, let's roll out the carpet and bring on the Mountaineers. That's not a spree. Yes! Alexander. And now, the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into Episode 5 of the CRW Hoops Podcast as we continue to cover the 2022-2023 West Virginia men's basketball season that unfortunately has taken a turn for the worst since the last time I've had a chance to record an episode here uh, but West Virginia had reached the AP Top 25 poll. They're ranked number 24. But since then, it's been all bad for West Virginia, unfortunately. Starting Big 12 Conference play at 0-4, as I'm sure you guys know. Losses most recently to Kansas and Baylor, and before that, losses to Oklahoma State and Kansas State, respectively, to bring the West Virginia Mountaineers to the 10-6 and overall record that they now have. That includes the aforementioned 0-4 mark in conference play as well. So we're going to talk a a little bit about the two most recent West Virginia basketball games against Kansas and Baylor, respectively. Unfortunately, falling in both of those contests, but we're also going to switch gears and hopefully try and find a little bit of positivity, get to the little light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, and look ahead to the game against Oklahoma where. West Virginia will look to seek their first Big 12 win of the season and hopefully snap this losing skid that they're on, which they're going to need to do in a short order if they are going to look ahead to any type of postseason play, potentially, which I know that they were hoping to do earlier in the season. But now those hopes certainly seem bleak to be able to do that. But we'll talk more about that throughout the episode as we review the games against Kansas and Baylor take a look at the numbers in each of those games a little bit before getting into a preview of the game against Oklahoma, as I mentioned earlier, which West Virginia will take on the Sooners in Norman as they look to get back on the winning track. But before we do any of those things, there's certainly a topic to talk about here in our Mountaineer News segment, and that is an egregious and absolutely despicable decision by the NCAA that I'm sure you guys have heard about. But if you haven't already, we'll talk a little bit about it now and probably a little bit of a rant incoming that I think is well deserved in regards to the NCAA's decision and how harmful it is not only to West Virginia basketball, but more importantly to a prospective student athlete as well. Let's talk about it here in Mountaineer News. All right. So if you haven't heard already, West Virginia getting hit with some bad news Prior to the game against Baylor, as the report came down that the NCAA had denied West Virginia's attempt to appeal the decision to block Jose Perez's eligibility for West Virginia this upcoming season, 
absolutely despicable decision here by the NCAA. We're going to take a look at Bob Huggins' comments on the situation that have since come out now. And if you're watching this episode on the video side, I'll share those here with you with the article from WV Sports Now here written by Ethan Bach. But if you're tuned into this episode of the CRW Hoops podcast, whether it be on the video side or the audio side, we really appreciate you tuning in either way that you choose to do so. But if you're on the video side here, whether it be on our YouTube channel or the WV Sports Now YouTube channel, which you can find find us over there as well as on their website at wvsportsnow.com where you can find a lot of great Mountaineer sports content so be sure and visit their website over there but if you're tuned into either one of those video versions do us a favor hit that thumbs up button give us a like on the video really helps its performance and helps future videos performances here on the channel and if you're a West Virginia fan and you haven't already hit the subscribe button helps us helps you helps get more of this Mountaineer sports content out to Mountaineer Nation but if you're tuned in on the audio side which you can find on any podcast platform you prefer apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify you name it but if you're on apple Podcasts, leave us a rating if you're tuned in on any of the other platforms be sure and share us around throughout mountaineer nation as we continue to try and grow the country roads webcast community having said that let's take a little bit of a look at this article here written by ethan bach on the aforementioned wvsportsnow.com you can find this if you like but bob huggins given his comments on the ncaa's decision to deny the jose perez appeal and deem him ineligible for the 2022-2023 season. Bob Huggins states, extremely unfortunate. I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying it, but they don't know what the hell they're doing in regards to the NCAA, which I certainly agree with Coach Huggins there, as I'm sure most of Mountaineer Nation does. Continuing on here, we get a great explanation of the situation from Ethan Bach here. John Rothstein, the one initially reporting the denial of the appeal. John Rothstein there from CBS Sports. But this come, that came out on Wednesday evening, just ahead of West Virginia's game against Baylor on January 11th, marking Perez ineligible to play with West Virginia this season. Perez does get granted another year of eligibility, though, if he would like, that he can use in 2023. However, with his age, it is unknown if he will elect to do that he can come back could play for West Virginia in 2023 would still be a boost to the Mountaineers if he chose to do so but with his age who knows he may decide to choose another avenue or potentially go try and play basketball professionally he could do that and I wouldn't blame him if he decided to do so but as Ethan Box states here the decision comes two weeks after the appeal was sent by West Virginia's basketball program Perez's initial waiver was denied by the NCAA on December 16th just an absolutely despicable decision here by the NCAA in my opinion. When you read on here in the article, you'll find out that Perez committed to WVU in late October after his head coach Steve Massiello was dismissed at Manhattan. West Virginia got in contact with Perez just hours after his transfer portal entry and landed his commitment five days later. Perez enrolled for the spring semester in, no- in mid-November, but was not allowed to practice with WVU until December 17th. Bob Huggins further comments on the situation says he's against anything that hurts young people against anything that takes away a chance for a young person to succeed in life. This guy is a good student and he's a good kid. And I think to me, that's probably the worst part of this whole situation. When you look at Jose Perez, I just hate it for him. And shout out to you, Jose Perez, for keeping, you know, a positive attitude throughout most of the time, even, you know, being on West Virginia sidelines for the game against Baylor, still chilling on the Mountaineers despite knowing the situation coming down prior to the start of that game when I know his heart had to be broken. And I just hate it for him, not only because of this appeal denial, but think back originally for Jose Perez, who didn't initially want to transfer, I'm sure, 
had fully intended to finish out, you know, his career at Manhattan, but his head coach is fired 10 days prior to the start of the season. So he has to transfer. So not only does he not get to finish out with the school and the coach that I'm sure he loved and had a great relationship with, that's probably hurtful enough having to transfer despite not wanting to coming to West Virginia, then the NCAA for whatever reason, blocking that decision as, as well as the ensuing appeal from West Virginia. It's just absolutely almost unprecedented when you look around college sports today, whether it be football, basketball. I mean, look, even on West Virginia's side, you can look at a guy like Jared Dagey, transfers away from West Virginia, goes to Western Kentucky, doesn't win the starting job there in the spring, transfers out, goes to Troy in the fall, plays this past season. And then you can look at even coaches. Look at Luke Fickle in the bowl game. You know, coach Cincinnati this season, then coaches Wisconsin in the bowl game. So those things have happened, and they've happened without extenuating circumstances like Jose Perez had with his coach being fired. Just absolutely makes no sense what the NCAA is doing here to West Virginia and more importantly to the young student athlete in Jose Perez. Why would you want to do something like that to harm a young student athlete, which you are supposed to be there in service of, mind you? The NCAA is an organization that's supposed to service these young student athletes and instead they're absolutely harming Jose Perez in the situation and absolutely hate it for him, especially you know, hate it for West Virginia as well because I think Jose Perez could have really added a lot to this team. West Virginia needs some things going on in guard play, especially needed to add another score. I think in late game situations, look at this most recent game against Baylor, which we'll talk more about here in a little bit, but West Virginia, once Trey Mitchell and Eric Stevenson were both fouled out of the game, they were missing that extra score. Jose Perez certainly could have filled that role and played a big part in this team. I would love to see him stick around and play for West Virginia in 2023, but can't blame him if he doesn't decide to do so, but this is the only topic I wanted to cover here in Mountaineer News, but it certainly needed addressed, and I know this is a bit of a rant, but I think it's rightfully so deserved after a despicable decision by the NCAA to block Jose Perez's eligibility for the Mountaineers this season. Hate it for Jose Perez. Hate it for West Virginia. Just absolutely harmful for all parties involved and just doesn't really make any sense. I think that's the worst part of it. Just uh, hurtful for West Virginia. And, you know, you've heard comments about if West Virginia was a blue blood school, they probably wouldn't have had to even do the appeal. He probably would have been eligible right away, playing almost the entire season. Absolutely agree with that. I think that the NCAA certainly picks and chooses who they help, who they don't. And it's absolutely egregiously terrible. I understand why people are thinking the NCAA may be on its way out and some of these Power 5 teams group together and kind of do their own thing and why not when there's no consistency from this organization and they're not even doing the job they're supposed to be doing in service in the student athletes and that's all I'm going to say on the subject also completely agree with Bob Huggins comments on the situation as well as the NCAA not knowing what the hell they're doing because they obviously don't know consistency and this is just uh, absolutely you know despicable as I said earlier unexplainable whatever you want to say about it an inexplicable decision by the NCAA that harms West Virginia. So that's all I've got here for this segment in Mountaineer News. Let's talk a little bit about the last two games against Candace and Baylor before we switch gears and hopefully maybe get a little bit more positivity going as there is a possibility that West Virginia could get on the winning track. You know, there's always hope for that when you look forward to the next game, and that's what we're going to do later in the episode as we preview the game against Oklahoma as well. But first, let's do a review of the last two losses by West Virginia coming against Baylor and Kansas, starting first with the game against the Jayhawks.
All right, so taking it back a couple of games ago now to West Virginia's game against the Kansas Jayhawks. Currently the top team in the Big 12 right up there with Kansas State, another team that West Virginia lost to earlier in the season. Both those two now 4-0 in conference play. Kansas also looking like one of the top teams in college basketball this season. Absolutely loaded, and unfortunately West Virginia just kind of looked outmanned in this one, if you're asking me. I think especially West Virginia, as we know this season and what we've been able to gather from up to this point, as West Virginia is kind of going to go as their main scorers go, those being Trey Mitchell and Eric Stevenson. And I think in this game against Kansas, Trey Mitchell played well. Eric Stevenson had, you know, probably what was his worst game of the season, definitely shooting-wise, you know, field goal percentage and everything like that. You know, and a lot can be said about the mental state of Eric Stevenson in this game against Kansas after the things that had transpired prior to this game, as I'm sure a lot of you guys know with the situation of the technical being you know thrown out of the game against Oklahoma State when West Virginia had went on a run following him hitting three consecutive threes for the Mountaineers to finally you know bring them ahead in that game. And then he gets thrown out of the game and West Virginia kind of falls apart there at the end without him on the floor. And I think that's been an issue for West Virginia throughout the season. Not necessarily the technical fouls, which those have happened a couple times, but Stevenson and foul trouble has been a theme throughout the season. He's either fouled out or had about four fouls in almost every game for West Virginia this season. If they could find a way to keep him on the floor, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again, it could really make a difference for the Mountaineers. However, following that uh, technical foul against Oklahoma State, there were some comments by Bob Huggins that he needed to not do that again or else, you know, he wouldn't be a Mountaineer anymore. Things along those lines. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I'm sure you guys knew about that. So heading into this game against Kansas, I thought we saw a little bit more subdued Eric Stevenson trying to course correct a little bit. He also released the apology that that week, which I thought was really awesome, you know, heading out to the game. But however, you know, whether that played a factor or not, Stevenson, you know, did not have a great game. And so in turn, West Virginia overall did not put on a great performance, did not play their best against Kansas and ultimately ended with a 14-point loss to the Jayhawks. Looking at some of the team numbers here before we look at some of the individual numbers, Kansas just shot the ball incredibly well, 46% from three-point range, 42% from the field, as well as 90% from the free throw line. West Virginia struggled to get rebounds against the Jayhawks as well, getting out-rebounded by eight, 43-35. We know that's been an issue for West Virginia at times through the season. Unfortunately, it reared its head there, as well as the turnover issue for West Virginia, 11 turnovers. However, they did force Kansas into 13 turnovers, and I thought free throw shooting really hurt West Virginia in this game as well as the Mountaineers only shot 64% from the foul line which has been an ongoing issue throughout this season as well so just a few things the Mountaineers need to continue to clean up and I think they definitely need to continue to work on their shooting we saw some hot shooting from West Virginia early in the season but here lately especially once conference play started it's really fell off 35% from the field here in this game against Kansas and an absolutely abysmal 20% from the three-point line that shown four of 20 for the Mountaineers there. So hard to win when you put up those kind of numbers shooting wise and West Virginia ultimately ended in a loss there. Let's look at some of the standout numbers individually in this game. As I mentioned, for West Virginia, they're kind of going to go as Mitchell and Stevenson go. Mitchell led the team in this one, 15 points, five rebounds, thought he played a pretty good game overall. But Eric Stevenson, like I said, by far his worst shooting game as a Mountaineer to this point. Four of 19 from the field, 0 of 5 from the three-point line. Did get to the free throw line and do a nice job there. Did manage 12 points at least in the end, but got to do a better job of shooting overall in order to help the Mountaineers this season as the team in general does. And if he's going to have an off shooting night, you have to have others pick up the slack, and that just wasn't happening. As you can see, the other guards really struggling in this game as well. As I mentioned, guard play kind of been an issue for West Virginia thus far in conference play, especially shooting-wise. You see here, Joe Tucson 
gone two of 10 from the field and you didn't have Kedrian Johnson in this game. So that's already a disadvantage for West Virginia as he was out in concussion protocol for the game against the Jayhawks. However, some of your bench guys did do a decent job shooting the ball two or three from Seth Wilson, one of one for Kobe Johnson. Seth Wilson, I think is really coming along well this season. Would like to see him get more shots up uh, moving forward. And I think we'll see him continue to get more minutes. I just see him play 19 minutes here against the Jayhawks. As far as the Jayhawks are concerned, they really just have some really great players. Jalen Wilson, I think, is one of the best players in the country, as well as Grady Dick being one of the best freshmen in the country, thinking back-to-back games. West Virginia's faced two of the very best freshmen in the country, those being Grady Dick and Keontae George from Baylor, who we'll talk about momentarily. But Grady Dick really shot the ball amazingly well. I think he has an awesome shot. Really quick release. Went 4-6 from the three-point line against the Mountaineers. And then on the glass, Jalen Wilson just absolutely killed the Mountaineers, 14-14. and Um, he's a stud player, one of the best players in the country. So he's going to do that to a lot of the teams he faces. And I think Kansas right now has a case as possibly the best team in college basketball. And, you know, they're going to run for a repeat. You know, they're defending national champions for a reason. They've added a great freshman in Grady Dick, a good transfer in McCuller from Texas Tech. So I think Kansas is absolutely reloaded. And they've got a chance to, you know, make a run at another national title, whereas West Virginia is a team still trying to find itself right now. And I think you saw that in this game, ultimately ending in a 76-62 to victory for Kansas. West Virginia, one more home game, had a chance to get a win in Big 12 play. Unfortunately, weren't able to do it, but they did put on a lot better showing and played a much better and closer game against Baylor. So let's take a look at that game now against the Bears at the West Virginia Mountaineers. Played most recently here on January 11th, suffering a loss on Wednesday night at the Coliseum. All right, diving into the most recent West Virginia basketball game now here on episode five of the CRW Hoops podcast. Going over the 2022-2023 West Virginia men's basketball season, West Virginia unfortunately losing to Baylor 83-78 to in the end. I think a combination of a few things really leading to this loss for West Virginia. As we'll look at the numbers here momentarily, you'll see West Virginia played good enough to win this game overall when you're looking at the numbers. But to me, I think the combination of a slow start as well as at the finish, some things really, you know, going Baylor's way as opposed to West Virginia's, those being West Virginia's, you know, leading scorers and best players fouling out of this game, whereas Baylor's leading scorer and arguably best player kind of took over and, you know, showed why he was one of the best freshmen and one of the better players in the country this season in Keontae George. So when you have West Virginia's best players down the stretch fouling out and Baylor's best players taking over, just kind of a bad recipe for West Virginia there in the final few minutes of the game. And I think that in combination with a very slow start in the first half really hurt West Virginia. I believe they started the game one of 11 from the three-point line, really cold from the field, uh, started the game with the drought. You know, we're used to seeing the drought kind of mid-game. This game, they got it out early, I guess, got the drought right at the beginning. West Virginia, you know, clawed its way back then in the first half, but only managed 27 points in the first half, whereas they scored 51 in the second half, looked a lot better offensively, and ultimately put up some good numbers in the game and matched up with Baylor really well. I think you could tell both these teams were fighting to not go to 0-4 in conference play. Unfortunately, the Mountaineers are the team that come out on the losing end of that and do fall to 0-4 in conference play, whereas Baylor moves to 1-3, and and I think as the season continues, both of these teams may prove to be better than those 0-3 records records they showed in this game. Baylor just has too much talent to stay down at the bottom of the Big 12. I think they'll continue to work their way up, as hopefully the Mountaineers will as well. We'll talk more about that moving forward. But looking at this game specifically and some of the numbers here, 
I think West Virginia's field goal percentage, you would like to see the Mountaineers shoot the ball a little bit better. That's kind of one of the areas that leaves a little bit to be desired. However, West Virginia did do a good job on defense overall in this game. I know Baylor had a better second half offensively, but in turn, West Virginia did as well. But overall, West Virginia held the Baylor Bears to 44% from the field, but West Virginia only managing to shoot 38% themselves. 39% from three for Baylor, which is, you know, below their season average, if I'm not mistaken. West Virginia, though, only managing eight of 24, um, 33% from the three-point line. So that's one thing I will say, West Virginia against Kansas, I thought struggled with the three-point defense a little bit. I thought you saw a better job of that against Baylor. However, late in the game, that reared its ugly head again as some of the shots Baylor hit late to, you know, either regain the lead or stretch it out there uh, late were, you know, some threes. Although some of them were contested and very tough shots that, you know, Keontae George specifically just made good plays on for Baylor. Free throw percentage, however, especially down the stretch, I think that hurt West Virginia. They shot well from the free throw line for the majority of the game, but there towards the end, they missed some that Baylor hit. And so I think that was a big advantage in this game for Baylor as well, especially late. Uh, Baylor ultimately finished in seven. 78% from the line, whereas West Virginia finishes at 73%. West Virginia did a great job rebounding in this game. That's one thing I will say about this most recent West Virginia basketball game. I thought we saw some of the better rebounding and defensive effort we've seen from West Virginia to this season. So, Although West Virginia's fallen to 0-4, things are negative right now. Like I said, a couple compounded things. The Jose Perez decision plus, you know, the rough start to conference play has a really negative vibe going around right now. But I think the one thing to look at if you're trying to remain positive, this team definitely is still fighting. They showed that in this game, out-rebounding Baylor 34-32, including a 12-9 rebounding advantage on the offensive glass. West Virginia also took care of the basketball. One of the first times this season, I think we can really say that, only turning the ball over seven times. Baylor turning it over 10. West Virginia also did a great job passing the basketball, which I think is one of the reasons they've had turnover problems this year is they had struggled passing the basketball. We saw them do some good things in this game, especially when they were running that flex-type offense. They were running there in the second half that Bob Huggins talked about in his postgame, kind of their version of the flex offense. We saw some good, easy baskets for West Virginia off that flex cut with some good passes down there into the paint. But West Virginia still, I think, struggling to score near the basket. Got to do a better job hitting those you know, one, two-footers, those layups, those floaters. And if they can do that, then maybe they'll have a chance to win some of these games moving forward in the season. But that being said, West Virginia 15 assists compared to Baylor's 10, so better job passing the ball for West Virginia. Let's look at some of the individual numbers in this one before we wrap up these reviews and look ahead to a preview of the upcoming West Virginia game against Oklahoma. All right, let's look at West Virginia first. I think Eric Stevenson did bounce back a little bit, but you didn't still get the shooting that you would like to see from him overall as he finished 3 of 9 from the field. But his two threes that he did manage to hit as he went two of seven from three-point range were big at the time that he hit them. Ten points for Stevenson. Ultimately, at the end, though, Fallon out there could have really used him there late in that game. And I think the same goes for Trey Mitchell. But it's hard to you know talk anything negatively about his performance when he really put on the effort that he did, particularly on the glass for the Mountaineers. I think he really stepped up in a big way. Uh, 14 points and 15 rebounds. Definitely shout out to Trey Mitchell's performance. I think... As I've said before, the Mountaineers are kind of going to go as he goes and Stevenson as well. But you got to have some of these other, what you can call maybe role players, I guess, contribute better overall. You need to really have a game where everybody's kind of clicking. We've had, seems like we'll get a game where we have a guy or two that's playing great and then other guys really have an off games. You know, the game against Kansas, I mentioned Stevenson had an off game. I think in this one, we saw Jimmy Bell have his off game. You know, maybe one of his 
worst performances of the season, I guess you could say up to this point. We really saw, you know, Mo Waggy play a lot of minutes as well as Oconqua there in the second half. Jimmy Bell only played 19 minutes in this one. 0 of 2 from the field, only grabbed two rebounds. Just not the stat line you're used to seeing from Jimmy. Four fouls, no points, and hopefully he's able to bounce back because West Virginia's going to need him moving forward if they're going to turn this thing around. Eamon Matthews, only seven points, did hit a big three-point shot that really broke the seal for West Virginia when they were struggling early. Had started 0 of 10 from the three-point range. He hit the first one, and then the lid really came off for West Virginia and they shot the ball a lot better in the second half than they did in the first half. The one thing I can say about Emmett Matthews is I would love to see more of aggressive Emmett, as we like to call it, right? Need to see Emmett attacking more. I think West Virginia really needs a third scorer, especially since you know you're not getting Perez now. We need aggressive Emmett more early, often, and just throughout these games for West Virginia to be successful moving forward. Emmett needs to attack more, I believe, because I think he's done a good job when he's chosen to do so. So hopefully we'll see that more moving forward as they only finished with seven points in this game, but did manage to pull down five rebounds as West Virginia did a good job there. And, you know, as I've continued to kind of preach throughout the season, I think guard play is going to have to continue to improve for West Virginia to improve. And we saw that in this game. Kedrian Johnson was back after being in concussion protocol for the last game. Thought he did some really good things passing the ball and defensively. He ended up fouling out towards the end as well. But he did manage six assists in this game. Always does a good job on ball defense. Great free throw shooting from eight for eight. But, however, left a lot to be desired in the scoring column as he has throughout Big 12 play to this point. I think he's only made two field goals, if I'm not mistaken taken for West Virginia in Big 12 play. One of seven in this game, 0 of 4 from the three-point line. West Virginia's got to do a little bit better there. However, Tucson did pick up the slack off the bench. He's been West Virginia's best scorer off the bench this season. Ended up with 20 points. A lot of that coming late when Baylor wasn't trying to foul there. They had big men in trouble. Joe Toussaint knew that. He could just attack the rim. And I think that's when you kind of get the best version of Joe Toussaint when he knows that he can attack the rim and he's either going to score or go to the free throw line. And he helped West Virginia kind of stay in it and have some chances late in this game to have a win. Ultimately, couldn't close it out. He missed the game time three, which would have been for West Virginia here late in this one. And, you know, I think that's the one area that West Virginia, you know, still leaves a lot to be desired here in Big 12 play is their three-point shooting. They had a chance there, you know, to get a three-point, to tie the game. Couldn't do it. 8-24 to 24 for the game. 33%. Tucson, 2 of 6 himself. But 20 points, though, you can't really harp on him too much for his performance when he does kind of carry you there late in the game and keep you in it in some ways when West Virginia really needed somebody to score. He found a way. And then yet again, Seth Wilson, I think, continues to be a good player for West Virginia off the bench scoring-wise and arguably the best shooter for the Mountaineers from the three-point line this season. I think you can put him right up there with Eric Stevenson in that category. He showed that again in this game, 3-5 of five from the three-point line, 4-7 from the field, 11 points. Hopefully he continues to play more. I think he's getting you know around 20 minutes a game now he had 19 against Kansas 23 in this one against Baylor so I like what we've seen from Seth Wilson this season I think he's continuing to improve and I think West Virginia is going to need him moving forward as I said going to need scoring off the bench going to need better guard play and Seth Wilson can help in both of those areas as well as the West Virginia bigs the backup bigs got to continue to improve thought we saw some better things from them in this game when they were counted upon particularly Mo Waggy. he finished with six rebounds which you know West Virginia did a great job on the glass in this game as I've mentioned a couple times but the standout sequence to me is it was either Flagler or Cryer and Mo Waggy had got switched on to him late in the shot clock and stayed in front of him and I believe forced a shot clock violation or forced a bad shot. Either way it ended up for the Mountaineers. That was impressive by Mo Waggy getting out on some perimeter defense there. So I think you've seen some things from Waggy that he has potential like you said still learning the game hasn't been playing that long and the same goes for Oconquo but West Virginia needs those 
backup bigs throughout this season. And I'd like to see Sumnick get some more minutes on the floor. We've seen it few and far between the season, but it's been good when doing so. But that's a look at kind of West Virginia's numbers in this one. For Baylor, the standout player you want to talk about, of course, Keontae George. I mean, 32 points for this freshman, 5 of 9 from three-point line, 10 of 18 from the field. Also contributed seven rebounds and two assists. And late in the game, he was just hitting some awesome shots. I mean, West Virginia had good defense on him. They were contested shots, man in his face, and he was still hitting them, you know, in clutch time. And that's just, he's a big time player. He's going to be probably a top five pick in the NBA draft, I would assume. And then you get guys like Cryer and Flagler have been there, you know, for Baylor's national title game, you know, their national title win a couple of years ago. And, you know, just really seasoned good guards as well. And I think that really helps a lot in college basketball. 19 points for Flagler, 13 for Cryer. And then, of course, you can't not mention Jalen Bridges for Baylor, making his homecoming to West Virginia. The student section was all over him all game, as I think we all expected. But uh, he certainly embraced it, uh, seemed to really embrace that villain role I think a lot of people were talking about. And mixed performance from him in the game, 0-3 from the three-point line. He struggled there. I think he struggled there for most of the season for the Bears. But he did do some good things for them on the glass and uh, hustled. And you could tell he really wanted this win as well. And ultimately, unfortunately, he gets it but 10 points and 11 rebounds for the West Virginia native for Baylor. So that's what you got to talk about as far as their individual numbers. But the standout guy for them is definitely Keontae George. The guy's a superstar, and I think he's a big reason Baylor's going to turn their season around and still be a factor in this conference. But as far as if West Virginia can do that and factor into this conference and potentially turn their fortune around and reach the NCAA tournament as they hope to do so, that remains to be seen. But it's going to have to start with a win against Oklahoma coming up in their next game. Pretty much every game from here on out for West Virginia's got to be a must win preview that game momentarily let's take a quick look at the big 12 standings uh following these most recent west virginia games all right so taking a look at the current big 12 standings at the time of this recording of episode five of the 2022 2023 crw hoops podcast you guys tuning in on the video side can see this visually on the right side of the screen but for you guys listening on the audio side what i'm sure you need to know is that west virginia currently sits tied for last place in the big 12 conference with texas tech both sitting at 0-4 in the conference. Beyond that, looking at the conference from top to bottom here, you currently have three teams tied for first in the conference at 4-0, those being Kansas, Kansas State, and Iowa State, the two Kansas schools, both beating West Virginia this season. Then you have Texas at 3-1 and in the conference, TCU at 2-2 two and two in the conference, and then three 1-3 and three teams in the conference, those being Baylor, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia's next opponent, Oklahoma. So if you're looking on the bright side for West Virginia, the bright side of it being Kansas and Kansas State, two of the better teams in the conference that West Virginia has losses to. The other being Baylor. We know that they were 0-3 at the time of West Virginia playing them, but we see the talent they have. and know they're probably going to turn it around as well. So yes, you're 0-4 in the Big 12, but three of those teams are better teams in this conference potentially, and two of them definitely are as they are currently undefeated in the conference and one of them being one of the top teams in the country. So I think the only bad loss right now, look on the outside looking in for West Virginia conference-wise is Oklahoma State as they are one and three in the conference. So West Virginia has a chance to turn this around because you're going to have to play some of these other teams that are right there in the middle of the conference with you. This is a deep Big 12 conference. Every team in here is pretty good, I think. So I think West Virginia is going to have some opportunities to turn this thing around, but they're going to have to get wins right away if they want to have a chance to get an NCAA tournament berth. They'll play 18 conference games. They've already played four. So you have 14 conference games remaining. 
if you want to get to the NCAA tournament, I think you've got to get at least eight conference wins. So West Virginia's got to win over half of the remaining conference games. So pretty much, like I said, every game from here on out seems like a must win for West Virginia if they want to be able to get to at least eight conference wins to, I think, have a shot to get to the NCAA tournament, which I'm sure is one of the main goals for this West Virginia team and something that we'd all like to see them do. And it will start coming up Saturday at Oklahoma with an early tip-off, noon there in Norman, taking on the Sooners, 1-3 and three in conference, West Virginia 0-4. Both teams trying to get out of the Big 12 basement, turn things around, and uh, find some wins on the season. Let's talk about it and see how these teams match up and if I ultimately think West Virginia will be able to finally get on the winning side of things with this matchup against the Sooners. Okay, so West Virginia will take on Oklahoma in Norman Saturday, January 14th. As I said, noon tip there. Going to be televised on ESPN2 if you want to tune into this one. Actually going to be on one of the main you know, regular ESPN networks, not on ESPN+. Plus. Like the past few West Virginia games, this one's going to be on ESPN2. West Virginia, as I said earlier, 10-6, 0-4 in the Big 12. Oklahoma also 10-6, but they are 1-3 in conference. Oklahoma given a 65% chance to win according to ESPN's FBI predictor here on their website. Looking at some of the standout individual players for each team, Grant Sherfield for Oklahoma doing a great job at the guard position this season as their leading scorer, 17.4 points per game, over 45% from the field, nearly a 90% free throw shooter as well. And then you still have the Groves twins at Oklahoma and Tanner Groves still playing a big part there, being their leading rebounder on the season up to this point, 7.4 rebounds per game. Sherfield also doing a great job passing the ball, leading the team in assists with three and a half per game. As far as West Virginia is concerned, Eric Stevenson still continues to be the team's leading scorer, averaging over 14 points a game, shooting 47% from the field. Trey Mitchell, the leading rebounder for West Virginia, I think has shown a great propensity to do a good job on the glass for West Virginia, especially in conference play. He's been a standout performer for the Mountaineers and hopefully continues to do so, averaging over six rebounds a game. Kedrian Johnson currently leads the Mountaineers in assists as the Mountaineer point guard averages over three and a half assists per game. As far as the team stats and how they match up to this point, West Virginia currently averaging 78 points per game, whereas Oklahoma only averages 69. West Virginia is giving up 69 points a game. Oklahoma is only giving up 63 points a game. West Virginia shooting 46% from the field. Oklahoma shooting 49% from the field. West Virginia actually holding the rebound advantage over Oklahoma, 35.6 to Oklahoma's 32. So hopefully that's an area maybe where West Virginia can exploit things in this game, get an advantage on the glass, maybe take advantage of some second chance points, get some extra shots up against Oklahoma, hopefully maybe be able to find a way to victory doing that. Assists, about even 14 a game for both teams, as well as blocks, three a game for both teams. West Virginia, seven steals a game. Oklahoma, six steals a game. As far as recent schedules, Oklahoma, lost to Kansas by four on the road, beat Texas Tech on the road in overtime, 68-63, to lost to Iowa State and Texas, also beat a common opponent with West Virginia. They beat Florida as well, 62-53. to As we know, West Virginia 
Last win was over Stony Brook back on December 22nd. Since then, four straight conference losses to Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and then the two we've already discussed, Kansas and Baylor. So West Virginia is looking to snap a four-game losing streak and earn their first conference win, whereas Oklahoma is seeking to earn their first home conference win, 0-2 at home in conference play. Their only win coming on the road there at Texas Tech. So both teams seeking victories here. Hopefully the Mountaineers are able to do something in this game. I think that this is a must-win scenario for West Virginia moving forward throughout the season. I like the advantage the Mountaineers have on the glass. I think West Virginia's got to come out hungry in this game. They really need something to turn it around. Couple days, you know, short turnaround for West Virginia following a Wednesday game, but I think they were close in that game against Baylor. I think if they can take that second half performance they showed against Baylor and kind of replicate it for a full game against Oklahoma, they should be able to come out on the winning side of this game. So I'm going to be bold and finally predict West Virginia to come out, get a win, show up in Norman with an early tip and beat Oklahoma. I'm going to say by five to nine points, somewhere in that range, a West Virginia victory to get on the winning side of things, get a big 12 conference win. That's my prediction for this one. What about you guys? If you're tuned in on the video side, let us know down there in the comments. Let us know your thoughts and your prediction for the game against the Sooners as West Virginia looks to get back on the winning track and secure their first win in 2023. Haven't won a game yet in this calendar year, so hopefully they're able to finally do that in this matchup against the Sooners. Fingers crossed I'm right with my prediction. Would love to hear yours. Let us know down in the comments, Mountaineer Nation, as we continue to try and grow the Country Roads webcast community. The interaction certainly helps with that here on Episode 5 of the CRW Hoops podcast. So there you have it, Mountaineer Nation. That will pretty much wrap us up here on Episode 5 of the CRW Hoops podcast as we continue to try and cover the 2022-2023 West Virginia basketball season. Going to continue to try and drop these episodes more frequently now that things have kind of calmed down here and we've got into the new calendar year and getting back into the swing of things. Going to bring back the WVU postgame basketball reaction live shows on the YouTube channel as well. Going to bring those back here soon, hopefully maybe for the game against Oklahoma looking to uh, bring that back there and have a post-game reaction for that as well as other content here from the Country Roads webcast for you guys tuned in on the audio side. We appreciate you tuning in there on any podcast platform you choose but be sure and hop over to the Country Roads webcast YouTube channel putting out updates throughout the offseason for West Virginia football. A lot of transfer updates players coming out, players going in scholarship offers to the other transfer trying to cover it all throughout this offseason been putting out multiple update videos on that and then also there is some basketball content that is exclusive to the YouTube channel you can find there but we'll continue to cover the West Virginia basketball season here on the CRW Hoops podcast as it continues and hopefully better and brighter days are ahead for the West Virginia basketball team as we look to see them turn this thing around as they currently sit at 10 and 6 overall 0 and 4 in the Big 12 conference but maybe that can turn around potentially starting this Saturday with this game against Oklahoma that we'd love to see the Mountaineers win and one more time I will let you guys know Noon tip on ESPN2 this Saturday, January 14th, if you want to tune in to the upcoming West Virginia basketball game. I know things are down right now, but that just means we got to get behind these guys, rally around them, cheer a little bit harder if we want to see this season turn around and potentially reach the big dance at the year's end. 
Hopefully we can do it. I'll certainly be there cheering on the Mountaineers, as I know you guys will that have tuned into this episode. We really appreciate you guys here at the Country Roads webcast and how you all support the Mountaineers and support us. And we're going to continue to do both those things here because we know the night is always darkest just before the dawn. So just at any moment now, things are going to turn around for West Virginia sports. And it's just going to make it all the more worth it when you were behind them, even when things were down, still cheering them on, hoping to see them win every single game. And that's what we're going to hope to see for the rest of this West Virginia men's basketball season. So Hopefully they can turn it around. Either way, we're going to be here to cover it all along the way on the Country Roads webcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in here for Episode 5 of the CRW Hoops podcast, the 2022-2023 edition. Having said that, as always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go. Mountaineers. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those...